1: You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you.
2: This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus.
1: There are nearly 20 million million military military veterans veterans in the the US. U.S.,
3: Each week we focus on their stories.
1: Powered by connectingvets.com.
3: This this is CBS Ion Eye Eye Veterans. Ion Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. This hour we'll talk with one of the funniest and most irreverent vets in America, the former Army Ranger and Black Rifle Coffee Kingpin, Matt Best. I used
4: to make comedy songs so i played guitar nearly my whole life for like my brothers and I was kind of a selfish comedian because so I just wanted to make one person laugh. Range of Time really is the tip of the spirit. You're going out, you know, two, three, four times a night to kill or capture high value targets.
3: Sometimes it's not all that much different than Hollywood makes it look. It's just, you know, there's not a love scene at the end or, you know.
4: Right. Well, sometimes there is. You know, let's not discredit that. Maybe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll start this hour off with some news. And we begin with a good news story for the unsung heroes of the veteran community. Our caregivers. And this week, Wounded Warrior Project announced a multi million dollar investment to assist post 9 11 caregivers, specifically those who take care of the most seriously injured from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And here to share with us what they're doing in this incredible new initiative is Wounded Warrior Project's Alex Balber and Lindsay T. Ketch. Welcome.
2: Hey, Bill. It's, thank you for having us. Greatly appreciated.
3: And Lindsay, glad thank to you. have you aboard. Thank you for having us. Incredible initiative here for uh, the independence program.
1: You know, as you know, Wounded Warrior Project is always transforming the way that Americans injured veterans are empowered and employed and engaged in our communities. And this is a way, though, to not only continue to take care of those warriors, but for those caregivers who take care of the most catastrophically wounded warriors. And those are the warriors that participate in our independence program. And so we are, we are announcing $2.25 million in direct grants for those caregivers of the most catastrophically wounded warriors that's 3000 per eligible caregiver in that program for respite and relief in addition to that another 4 million in enhancements of the independence program to work on mental health and well-being and sleep hygiene and other opportunities of respite and wellness and another 1 million dollar grant to the Elizabeth Dole Foundation in support of their Relief to military and veteran caregivers, which is going to provide about 35,000 hours of relief.
3: That's such great work, Lindsay, and I'm so glad you guys are on board doing that and making these things possible because, um, you know, you're right. When you get a serious war injury, there is so much that needs to be tended to to keep you in your home. Talk to me, Alex, a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, um, Phil, I'd be happy to talk about that. Uh, when we last uh, left you and, and I spoke to you about uh, our independence program and we had a great example of a warrior who's living life, um, at, you know, independent life, he had a farm, he's doing things, um, you know, for himself and, and through the help of Wounded Warrior Project and our independence program, he's able to um, really uh, fulfill some of his goals and, and his, uh, his expectations for, for living as independently as possible. But one thing we may not have talked about extensively, Phil, was the actual caregiving support that that warrior gets behind the scenes. Right? It's that caregiver that provides the additional prompting. It's the caregiver that helps to uh, to sustain that warrior. And 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 in some cases, it's that caregiver that's pr- uh, providing some of that home health aid, that home health care, you know, labor to keep that warrior uh, at home uh, versus. Let's say in an institutional thing And it's now our turn to focus Proactively and more directly To get services To those caregivers To keep them going strong In their normal day to day
3: Wonderful work again And uh, to our guest Mike Reynolds That was on that previous episode you mentioned uh, Just absolutely loved his story
2: Looking at the hay I'm making sure that hay's going into the baler I'm making sure I don't run into the trees all of this stuff is going on. So I'm
4: all of a sudden, out of those 30 thoughts a minute, I'm consuming 28
0: of them with what I'm doing. Then you got like number 29 is, is when's lunch, and number 30, let's say, is don't beat on yourself, you know? So,
3: <laughs> so. Yeah, amen, man. And collectively it is god's work i appreciate every time you guys come on and tell me what you're doing because you guys are doing so many incredible things to support the war fighters and the extended family and if i want more information on the uh, on the independence program uh where can i find it
1: i was gonna say you can find that information on our website at woundedwarriorproject.org
2: one more thing i really uh want to add that if you're interested in any of the amazing programs that we have here at wounded warrior project including our independence program Um, feel free to go online at www.woundedwarriorproject.org and look for our resource center where you can contact them and and discuss any issues or any uh, questions that you may have about our variety of programs.
3: We also followed this week some news of monumental importance for veterans of the global war on terror. In an era where it can easily seem like the only time we discuss monuments or statues is when we're tearing them down because they reflect a past that's uncomfortable and often filled with racial injustice. However, our nation's longest conflict, the global war on terror, which has cost thousands of lives, continues to drag on. And though it's the longest fight we've ever engaged in, the men and women who have protected us have no memorial for their sacrifice. Luckily, here to change that is the Global War on Terrorism Memorial Foundation President and CEO and proud Army veteran, Marina Jackman. How are
5: you? I'm doing great, It's Great to meet you. Thank you for having me today.
3: Indeed. And I kind of went on long about the intro because I think it's important that we do kind of rally around this. And that this, this is nice news. It is good to hear that you guys are in the process of making the Global War on Terrorism Memorial. Tell me a little bit about uh, what's going on, what it's going to be like.
5: Sure. Our mission remains, it's a simple mission, our we plan to lead the effort to plan, fund, and build the National g Memorial on the National Mall in D.C. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We're in the 24-step process dictated uh, by the agencies in Washington, D.C., and in steps currently 9 through 12, which is site selection, uh, to find the location of this memorial uh, where it rightfully deserves. Uh, and so with that, we're looking to build on the reserve and currently have A bill in the legislative process, H.R. 5046, the Civil War on Terrorism Memorial Location Act, uh, that requests that we receive a prime location on the reserve in our nation's capital alongside our other nation's uh, war memorials.
3: Are there any challenges ahead for you with trying to get this thing put together?
5: Based on an act back in in 1986, the Memorial Works Act, it deemed, in 2003, an amendment to that deemed the reserve closed a finished work of art, and they had their reasons for doing so, and that's fine. I, you know, we don't think that Congress in 2003 could have expected the war that is still currently going on today, and so, so with that, we're looking for an exception to that law uh, that would give us the permission to build on the reserve. We don't want this GWAT memorial to be lost anywhere in the city. Uh, somewhere that may be out of the way for anybody to visit that's already walking the reserve. You know, it honestly deserves a prime location on the reserve alongside the Vietnam Wall and the Korean War Memorial. Just a natural progression of our nation's history, and, and that's rightfully where it should go.
3: It goes without say that this uh, artistic design has yet to happen because we got to get the real estate part figured out and we got to get all the Congress people to, you know, do their job and get it done. But when we do get to that part, you and I were just joking on the phone about some of the possible looks of this thing. Is it true that it's going to be like a special operator or a CIA guy with like a chest level beard riding a stallion with an eagle on each shoulder carrying the American flag into battle?
5: Yeah, i'm I'm sorry to disappoint you that probably won't be it i i just don't i don't see that one fitting into the design but uh you you could submit that if that's what you choose to submit i'll i'll encourage it
3: (laughs) we wish you the best of luck in getting hr 5046 the global war on terrorism memorial location act pushed through congress and i know you're doing the right thing And um, I just can't wait to see this come together. The Global War on Terrorism Memorial. President and CEO Marina Jackman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Now when we come back, we'll meet the highly caffeinated and hilarious former Army Ranger and co-founder of Black Rifle Coffee, Matt Best, when CBS Eye on Veterans continues. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And this next segment, in fact, this next several segments, is going to be highly entertaining because we're talking to a very entertaining veteran himself. And to kind of set it up, let me just read from this interview I saw with CoffeeOrDie.com. Marty Scovelin Jr., another fellow veteran, wrote it. And he says about Matt Best of Black Rifle Coffee Company. He's taught you how to be an operator, how to work out like an operator, Hell, even how to be an American.
2: People ask us why we have so many guns. I just tell them, how about over 200 years of freedom?
3: You've probably listened to his infamous rap battles and maybe downloaded one of his chart-topping singles. I got the good, good
4: Colombian. I got the good, good Colombian. Coffee dripping Chemex sipping. Coffee dripping Chemex sipping.
3: And he's even got the book, Thank You for My Service, which at one point was a bestseller in the love, sex, and marriage category on Amazon.com. You can read about his exploits while drinking his coffee with his movie on in the background. He's a former U.S. Army Ranger turned CIA contractor from Southern California, and he's been around the block a few times and has at least two real-world, no-b***-there-I-was stories for every one of his creative or business adventures. So it's with that intro, I'd like to say hi to my fellow veteran Army Ranger, coffee warrior poet, and a guy with only one bulging bicep right now. Black Rifle Coffee's <laughs> Matt Best. Matt, how are you? I love
4: I, I love the one bulging bicep. Yes, that's great. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate your time.
3: Yeah, man, I'm really excited to introduce you to the CBSI and veterans audience because we kind of straddle two worlds here. We're on in military markets where people kind of know of you. But then to the civilian audience, you're still kind of like a novelty. Some people have maybe seen your videos, didn't know if you were serious. You might have scared them.
1: Uh,
3: <laughs> right? So uh, uh, before we talk about uh, burn pits, Hunter 7, uh, some serious stuff. You know, I said one bulging bicep. I saw on Twitter, man, w- what happened to your arm? Were you wrestling a bear? Was it Krav Maga in uh. Mongolia? <laughs>
4: Unfortunately, it's not the coolest story. I'm a uh, MMA hobbyist and I've been fighting for a couple of years and I was doing some really light training and bicep cramped and I extended it and I uh, tore my bicep distally. So I went in and got the surgery, drilled the hole through my bone, the whole thing. So I'm in recovery mode here. Uh, but, you know, I always welcome a challenge and I think you just take it in stride and we'll be back to normal in no time. So too easy.
3: It makes for some interesting things on Twitter, and I appreciate all your friends' sixth sense of humor when they put up the picture of you next to Quagmire with one Quagmire, in- yeah. with one incredibly flexed arm. Hey, Peter. Quagmire? Hey, uh, nobody's seen you in days. I've just been, uh,
2: you okay?
4: <laughs> well, I had to communicate to my audience that it wasn't a basis of quarantine in the environment that I was living in. That I was actually surgical. It's why the right arm was larger than the left arm, so, you know.
0: You've been lifting weights? white? Uh no, checking out some of that internet porn. Uh, I'm 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 sorry, Peter. I, I gotta I gotta
3: get back. <laughs> giggity giggity, brother. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's go through through some cliff notes about you to kind of introduce you to the audience. Um, 17 year old kid, Santa Barbara, California. Why the hell did you become a ranger and not like a surfer dude or go off to some fancy college?
4: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I. I... From a fairly young age, I'd always been kind of obsessed with military culture. I mean, my, my dad was a Marine. Um, you know, I had a cousin that was a Navy SEAL, and I remember looking through night vision when I was about eight years old, and I was just enamored. I was like, oh, my gosh, these big, like, jack guys with their BDUs. And, um, and then my two brothers joined the Marine Corps post-9-11, and, and kind of right when that happened, I knew that I wanted to serve my country. And I'd watched Blackhawk down, and I went, oh, my gosh, these Ranger guys are so cool. I wish I could be one. And for some reason, I was too dumb to quit, and I made it through selection and was fortunate enough to serve with the uh, amazing men and women of the 75th uh, Ranger Regiment, second Ranger Battalion.
3: Yeah, man. Millions of cool stories come out of the 275 Ranger world, and... Um... It's it's really interesting to see the old pictures of you because you really were a kid. I mean, like you got this baby face and your tan beret, and then there's all these like guys that look like they're, you know, sixty years old and their beards and they could just kill a man with a you know, a stare. Um that had to be weird when you first showed up and you were like this young kid. Yeah, i
4: always said that when I when I first passed Rip, uh now known as RASP and I got to Ranger Battalion, you know, I donned my tambourine and I thought it was so cool and then I got humbled very quickly because you know, when you get to your unit, the thing with Ranger Battalion, it's not like you pass selection and then all of a sudden you're just one of the main dudes. It's it's an arduous and process to grind your way up into being like an actual member of the team and then going through Ranger school. So um, I had a lot to learn. I think, uh, thank God I had great mentors, great team leaders and squad leaders. And yeah, it, it took a while to get there. But I think, you know, after my fifth deployment, I'd kind of proven that I was, um, I could run and gun with the best of
3: them. Five deployments, man. That's a lot. Um... And I know Hollywood always kind of glorifies it. And let's face it, you know, we're both veterans. I mean, war is nothing to glorify. It sucks. But I'm a Navy squid journalist veteran, right? So I did most of my things just covering stories. I never really got that close to anything that went bang or boom. Um, And I know you guys always, you know, the battalion guys always have some cool stories. Um, Is there any really cool, oh, there I was moment you remember that like you can share?
4: Yeah, I mean, I put some of those in my book, but, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's, you know, I've always kind of lived in chaos. I mean, I have a tattoo that says I was born for the storm and the calm doesn't suit me. Uh, so I think that was what was most intriguing about Ranger Battalion. It was, you know, a direct action um, kind of light infantry unit where the whole premise was to kill or capture high value targets. And that, that was really what I wanted to do. I didn't want to train necessarily in like peacetime. I wanted to go fight. And obviously, when you're, um, as, as the, the officers would say, tip of the spear, I think uh, range of really is the tip of the spear, and you're going out you know, two, three, four times a night to kill or capture high-value targets, and that obviously puts you in some very uh, dynamic situations, for lack of better words.
3: It's just so cool to sit around the campfire, or sit around the bar and have a beer and hear about like the zipper entries or the little birds that pull you in over some weird compound in the middle of friggin nowhere. And the dust is flying up and you guys pop on your goggles and doors are kicked in and things are going bang. I mean, sometimes it's not all that much different than Hollywood makes it look. It's just you know, there's not a love scene at the end or, you know, there's not. Right.
4: Well, (laughs) sometimes there is, you know, let's not discredit that. Maybe
3: (laughs) sometimes
4: that's really kind of like the whole premise of why I started doing kind of satirical content. I think that the Hollywood depiction of us is tends to be kind of two, two ways. It's either we're superheroes or we are broken veterans that are pill poppers. And I think there's really like, we're just normal dudes and girls that were willing to do extraordinary things in the military. And I'm I'm not saying me, but I'm saying the military um, veteran. And, you know, you sign up, especially during a time of war to serve your country, knowing that you're going to go in and get in situations that may require you to lose life, limb, or eyesight. And that, to me, is why I've been so involved post-service in the veteran community, because it's not, I think, too often we get lost in the thank you for your service, right? Well, why are we doing that? It's because people raised their right hand and made an oath to this country to make it the greatest country of all time and go fight for it. And I think there's something truly tremendously great about that. And, and then I will be forever indebted to the people that serve this country. And that will be my life mission to serve them.
3: And we're going to get to how you're doing that in a few minutes. Cause you are still doing some incredible things beyond just the brand you've made, but I'll say this, the comedy alone helps service the veteran because we have that sick, dark sense of humor. I love how you guys use that. And, to the ones in my family that don't understand <laughs> they look at it and they just think, Oh my God, how can that be funny? He's bleeding. He lost his leg. You just called him Lieutenant Dan, but there is some funny dark stuff that we like about that. And you guys, you guys serve it up.
4: I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, at, at least the, it's interesting because that was kind of the locker room humor, right? And you're not making fun of tragedy. Absolutely not. But you have to kind of make light with the humor because if you're going in day in and day out and nearly dying and risking your life, there has to be some levity in those situations. And we made those jokes kind of in the team room. And so I was thinking, well, how do we put that out there on kind of a global platform that not only uh, kind of articulates the humor that we had in the American military, but, you know, we have Canadian veterans and all these other countries that we served with, you know, in, in NATO. How do we kind of come together as a culture and community and support each other? And if other people like, don't like the comedy and don't watch it, but I know it's been truly helpful and, and therapeutic in some senses to a lot of people, and including me. It's a great creative outlet and venting system for me to get out you know, the, the crazy stuff that I've done in my life.
3: Coming up next, we'll dig a little deeper into the dark humor and those awesome videos. Instead of worrying about microaggressions
2: and what bathroom I'm going to use, I believe it's important to support the people that actually serve our country.
3: We've got more with Black Rifle Coffee's roasting ranger, Matt Best, when CBS Ion Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Recently, I talked with Army veteran turned coffee kingpin Matt Best, who co founded Black Rifle Coffee after a career that spanned five deployments with the 75th Ranger Regiment. It was the unusual hobby of making music videos that eventually helped create one of the coffee industry's fastest growing brands. And it's weird how videos kind of took you down the path to eventually a coffee company. But um, going through the cliff notes here real quick, um, after your time in the Ranger Battalions and after your time in the Army, uh, security contractor for that company with three initials out of Langley, Virginia. And uh, you know, you're over there, your security contractor, which includes a lot of downtime, and you are making some hilarious videos which really got you noticed.
2: Well, Facebook, Facebook, look what you've done. Turning everybody into whiny little bums. Posting everything about their life. Status update morning and night. Like Becky, Becky, what am I gonna do? I stepped in poo on my shoe. Oh my freaking God,
0: cause everybody breaks the nails. Spent the night in jail. So just listen to this and it goes like, they
2: problems, everyone's got them. So quit complaining you and layman that pause right now. Listen, I know you have a headache, but that's what Advil's for, not Facebook, okay?
3: To kind of define that sort of dark humor that we all have, what was one of your favorite original videos that you made?
4: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, I, uh, I, I used to make comedy songs, because I played guitar nearly my whole life for like my brothers, and I was kind of a selfish comedian, because I just wanted to make one person laugh, and I'd spend, you know, four hours on this project. And then I started doing that when I got home with the month I had when I wasn't working overseas. And really for me, I think it was probably um, how to work out like an operator because I had made a few videos that were just like generally humorous style. And then I was like, well, the most thing I know in the community that I live in is the veteran military, you know, contractor community. Why don't I make fun of ourselves. Everybody wants to be an operator, and here's how. First things first to be an operator, you need to change what you're wearing. So let's change this up. <sighs> now that we got the super fitted Under Armour shirt and a little operator hat, we need to put on a beard and some body armor. <laughs> and that's essentially what I did. And I think I was kind of one of the first guys ever to, to do that within the community. And it did extraordinarily well. And so I kind of focused on that. And it's been really cool, man, to be honest. There's, I've seen so many content creators over the years um come out and have, have hit me up and said, Hey, I started making videos and this because of you. So it's kinda cool to be one of the OGs of, of the, the satire of military
3: space. <laughs> OG of satire, like the yeah,
4: the Dr. Dre of bad <laughs> YouTube videos, you know?
3: <laughs> like the Hemingway of bad veteran poetry. I dig it, man. Yeah. I dig it. Uh speaking of which Shameless self plug here for me, but if you ever want to team up, I have a great video idea, a great parody idea that's topical as of like 72 hours ago. But all that noise, all that mess that they're throwing at uh, Rob O'Neill, the seal on the airplane, you know, without his mask and he's tweeting out about it. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I could get Delta Airlines to just cough up some coin and instead of banning a veteran saying, hey, let's make a parody video with him as, get this, an air mask marshal
4: oh that's pretty funny yeah (laughs) he
3: just goes around the cabin you know sneaking up on people busting out between their legs on the floor put your mask on i mean i don't know
4: he's got he's got a tactical belt full of hand sanitizer and masks (laughs) you know he's just he's 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 the he's the guard of the air
3: totally totally i mean i'm willing to do a cameo you could do a cameo just let me know i mean you you have the means to make that happen i give you that idea for free
4: oh you're you're too sweet thanks (laughs) bud
3: All right. Um, after the contract, after the videos catch on, of course, we do really catch fire. And it's this nexus of veteran friends that I find very interesting. Uh, you got a buddy making T-shirts and the brand is Article 15. And you get another buddy that's roasting coffee beans. And somehow the three of you get together and I heard you describe it in an interview as three knuckle draggers sitting around in a room filled with whiskey talking about their dreams. And it sort of came true.
4: Yeah, honestly, I I, uh, I was making videos of my own, and then I talked to this other guy, Jared Taylor, who was doing production stuff, kind of in the tactical space. And then that I met him, and then from there we just decided to start a t-shirt company because we're like, hey, if we can sell a couple t-shirts, we can buy a better camera. And that's really all we did. I flew out and met him once and drank some whiskey with him, started laughing, and realized that he was a crazy person like me. And we started our first uh, apparel company. And then kind of a couple years later, we ran into Evan Hafer. And he was a huge coffee nerd. It's what he loved. And he, he was trying to build this brand. And we kind of looked at each other and said, hey, let's join forces because, you know, I want to work with people that I, I really enjoy and I really enjoy those guys. And so we all kind of came together, started laughing and said, hey, let's try to make a business together. And we never realized it would become what it is today. But, you know, if, if opportunity is there, we're going to seize it. And we, we love the work. So.
3: And to put it in perspective for people, share with me, like, OK, just sort of how big is Black Rifle Coffee?
4: Well, we have about... Over 250 employees now, um, and we, you know, sell millions of pounds of coffee a year. So uh, it's, it's been extraordinary to see how it's become essentially an enterprise, um, and it's owned by us. So, you know, we're consistently every day trying to grow it and then open brick and mortar and then roll out our franchise program because we really want to build a community around the company and employ and empower veterans to be a part of it. So, they can work for a company that they're kind of psychographically in line with and they believe in the mission, they believe in the brand, and we're not going to stop. <laughs> so,
3: nice and salty sense of humor required, I would imagine, on any job interview. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Hey, I love, I, I'll take a cultural fit over someone that's an expert sometimes, so...
3: <laughs> yeah, right. And I love the Christmas videos. I've always wanted to tell you this, but uh, the one where you guys are playing Christmas carols by hitting rifle targets. Bing, 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 brr, bing, 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 bing. And you guys, I, just that's. I
4: always have to add the full auto in there and during the edit. I'm like, we just need a belt bed to shoot for the sake of it because America, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. And uh let me see, you guys are expanding. I see a Black Rifle Coffee store getting ready to open up. Uh, I think it's in Texas is where I saw that online. But where are they scheduled to open up? Are we gonna start seeing these like Starbucks? Only for the gun nut enthusiasts with tats and sick sense of humor?
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the gun nuts, but we are we are, you know, obviously super pro Second Amendment. So definitely it's for the the, the people that love America and you know can walk into a coffee store and see an american flag draped proudly and not get offended so if that's you i probably don't think our coffee shops it's the right cultural fit for you but we are opening one here on Bitters road it's actually soft open now in texas it's about it's where i live um so we have a few more in texas we're doing um one in salt lake city so we're, we're really focusing on that side of of the business uh but obviously the COVID 19 kind of has um implicated some some issues with kind of opening up retail locations but we're working through that
0: it would be
3: awesome if i could help run the one in dc just to like make some comments and have some fun every morning and see the look on some people's faces that are part of this i don't know what they call themselves moral majority or whatever but it would be awesome
4: The, the, the woke movement yeah no uh let us know we're always looking to open up franchises especially in uh Coming next year,
3: oh, that'd be awesome. I'd be like, okay, man, bun, you're next. What are you drinking? Yeah, okay, got it there.
4: Well, I, th- I think one thing to say too is we we roast all of our coffee in house, and we take massive pride in being a super premium coffee company. And I think some people look at the brand and go, oh, they're just crazy gun guys that you know sell coffee. You know, we, we take it very seriously, and we have you know direct trade relationships, and we we do coffee right. So we're, we're proud. Most people buy it because of the branding, and then they stay because how good it is.
3: Mm, okay. Coffee's not just a business, you really do like it. You drink it. Um, I read a piece by Marty Scovelin Jr. where he actually asked you about one of the craziest places you ever drank coffee. Share with me that because I think that's so cool.
4: Well, I mean, I, I've drank coffee from really weird places, but I'd probably say, uh, you know, me with two team members and uh an indigenous force in the mountains, you know, like Curtain Sands, probably one of the coolest places. Uh you know, walking out with A K forty sevens and making a little campfire and, and roasting coffee right there. I think that that is such a good depiction i think what a lot of us look at coffee as is such a community based activity whether you're you know out, out at the, the lake or you're going fishing or hunting or in the military before your brief it's like we all come together share that cup of coffee and then we go we go do what we got to get done so um it's kind of similar to what i did up there just share it with the guys wake up and then um go shoot some
3: stuff i especially like the way you described the fact that there might have even been a language barrier there but you guys are like using some broken language skills but saying like what's yeah, the word for what yeah. i'm seeing valley or sunset or sunrise and i mean there you are
4: it bridges that like you know divide between cultures and all that and i was very close to those guys and i spoke you know the language very broken but a little bit and so same thing we'd sit there and drink coffee kind of look at each other and be like how do you say mountain and, you know they teach me that and it, it was uh, very fond memories of, of that time in my life
3: when we come back Matt Best has some really cool words for anyone feeling depressed by how much 2020 has sucked. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm your host, former Navy journalist Phil Briggs. Now, this hour, we've been talking with former Special Operations veteran and Black Rifle Coffee's Ranger of the Roast, Matt Best. We've talked about the company's amazing rise to success, the edgy brand that so many have come to love. So my goal in this
4: is to make myself look like the biggest douche canoe I can possibly be. Yes, douche canoe.
3: It's a real word. I got the good, good. Columbia. But what I found most interesting was talking to Matt about how we can all overcome our own depression.
4: Well, I think, at least for me, and it's my opinion, my opinion only, but I think that you know people nowadays um they kind of commend the victimhood and i refuse to be like a victim and no matter who you are in your life i truly believe that there'll be massive ups and downs sometimes life is harder for other people there's going to be extraneous situations that influence you negatively and positively but the thing is it's like if you if you just accept failure i think that's the worst thing ever i mean you can accept a loss and like hey this didn't happen but it's a matter of putting an actionable rational plan together to increase the quality of your situation. And it it can be very challenging, but uh, it's just, you know, it's very um, a microcosmic example of that is like being injured. You can sit there and, you know, eat all the junk food, not, and just woe is me, or you can just get off your ass. It's going to be a little hard and just do the work. And then the best thing about that is when you're accomplished and you fix it and you know, fix whatever went wrong in your life, you can look back and go, I did that shit. And I think that's so empowering. And sometimes people that are in this dark hole kind of need those incremental successes, whether it's like, Hey, I cleaned my room, you know, the small wins and those wins compound into big things. And it's a snowballing effect. And that's how I've done with my life. Just really small successes. And I can try to keep them going. And when life kicks me in the, you know what, I just bounce back. I don't, I, I want to live life. I don't want to exist. That's the worst thing for me. I, I don't want to sit on my deathbed and go, I missed all this opportunity because I was afraid and life was just overwhelming for me. I refuse to accept that.
3: That's such a good cup of medicine that I think we all need. And uh, like, I'm seriously glad that I can talk to guys like you and share this because I think so often there are people out there that are thinking it's it's the worst day. Or even when we get to military transition, they find it hard to recreate that up-tempo life that they had. And maybe going to Home Depot isn't that rad, but being a dad is. And when you're a dad going to Home Depot, you are on a mission and you're going to build a raised bed garden that your kids are going to eat cucumbers from. I mean, like, there's something cool about that. Did you find that when you first got done with the contracting gig and the Ranger gig that like you had to create little experiences that jacked you up and that you could feel very proud of? Or do you think that there's a lot of veterans out there that aren't understanding that that's as much fun and a thrill as their military life was?
4: Well, well, yeah, of course. I mean, getting out of ranger time was definitely the most difficult for me because, you know, I was a ranger team leader, master breacher, flying around in little birds and blackhawks hunting, you know, humans. It um, <laughs> sounds kind of dark. And <laughs> then the next day I'm, you know, living with some college students that, you know, are just smoking pot and drinking booze. And I'm like, well, this is not where I want to be in my life. Uh, and then again, it, you have to make that decision. If you let the, your environment influence your behavior, well, you become what you're around. And if you put yourself in this crappy position and victimhood, you, you're not going to do it. And that's kind of what I did one day, just woke up and completely changed my life. And you have to find things that motivate you. And you're never, you might not have that same thrill of, you know, flying in a helicopter, but guess what? You can go learn how to skydive. You can go put on your body armor and run five miles and then track it with your app and mess with your military buddy and say, you can outrun them. Like there's so many creative ways to create that social environment and that support system, especially now with technology. It's just a matter of doing it and and finding that. And that's where specifically on the black rifle side, we've tried to increase those resources. So people have more of an outreach and ability to make those connections and whether that's putting them in a nonprofit that takes them out hunting or surfing or whatever. There, there's so many resources, but the only way you get it done is if you, if you motivate yourself to do it.
3: Hmm. And sitting in the comment threads is no way to do it. I, I see that in our community way too often. Guys just like ripping each other up and talking about this and that and slamming on each other's politics when like you could be outside playing. You could go do something. You don't need to just sit on Facebook all day.
4: That that's what I say. I say uh, uh, surfing and beer. There's nothing political about it. So you know, who cares if you uh, have some disagreements on the political spectrum? But like, go live life. You know, it doesn't make us who we are. We're Americans, and we should all stand together. So,
3: sweet. Now you live it too. You are supporting our fellow veterans, which brings us to kind of why we even wanted to talk today. Because I read that uh, you guys just put up fifteen thousand dollars for the Hunter Seven Foundation. And that's a group that's really supporting veterans suffering, suffering from the illnesses related to those toxic exposures that we see so often in the combat zones in the form of burn pits. Talk to me about the Hunter 7 Foundation and uh, what you guys are doing together.
4: Well, I believe the Hunter 7 Foundation is the only um, non-government um, kind of entity that can do medical research. And so, you know, there's a lot of these... Um, kind of publications that are coming out about toxic exposure um, in Afghanistan from burn pits and whatever other crazy stuff we have. And so, you know, that's just a small portion of what we're trying to do with the whole company is how do we help people that truly, truly need help? How do we do research? How do we support organizations that are trying to fix and cure and figure out what's happening to these guys that were exposed to, to this. And, you know, we work with a multitude of nonprofits, but that's really where we want to do is how do we impact the individual because that little, you know, terrible motivational speech I just gave earlier, the only way we can get those guys and gals back into it is if we address the the issues medically with them first, whether that's loss of limb, PTS, um, cognitive function as far as TBI, CT and all these other things that, you know, 10 years of deploying will get you or even a couple years. So, We really want to focus on organizations that are impacting the individual and making a drastic change in their lives for the better. And then we can put them in the fun stuff and and get them back to living a quality life because that's the whole point.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about you guys taking on research is the fact that um, that's kind of been like they're out. A lot of VA representatives from Secretary Wilkie on down, you know, say, well, Congress needs to mandate that this is a connection and they need to give us the ability and the power. And it just seems, seems like everybody's hiding behind a stupid excuse. To say I, I couldn't awesome.
4: agree more. And there's another organization that I, I work with and I donate a lot of personal funds and um, sit on the board. But it's called the boot campaign. And that's the whole reason I donate my time and money to them is because it, they put you through a clinical like whole individual treatment. So they come in, do blood work, do a brain scan, and they find out what's specifically wrong with the veteran, and then we treat it. Because the problem is with, I think, with the VA and a lot of stuff that has happened over there is, you know, they're, they're treating um, symptoms not the cause. And it's, you know, bandaid on the bullet hole. It, it only goes for so long. And especially if you're putting antidepressants and the people self medicate. So we're trying to find what's wrong. Cause every individual is different. Their circumstances were different. Their service was different. And if we find out like, wow, your marriage is going to crap, but that's because you've, got blown up and you have 40% memory loss, then you can go through cognitive therapy and that's
3: the fix. Doing great work, man. You're making coffee. You're making my mornings better. Uh, your videos mm-hmm. amuse me. Your tattooed covered self on all the videos are just hilarious. Keep up the sarcasm. Keep up that salty dark humor and uh, let me know, man. I want to open a Black Rifle Coffee in D.C. Seriously. Let's, uh, let's uh, have some fun with the woke folks and serve up a great flavored coffee.
4: I the woke folks that like that out they heard of, was it was the the soy boys or something? I don't know. <laughs> <The> soy <laughs> okay. boys. Yeah. I love it, man. We'll, we'll connect top lines.
2: I on veterans weekend has been presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. Choose from 90-plus programs and specializations to accelerate your military or civilian career and find out how our dedicated military and veteran advisors can help you navigate your benefits to save you time and money. University of Maryland Global Campus. Find out
0: how we're made for you. Visit umgc.edu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.
1: Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you.